marriage is not a 50-50 relationship. It's a 100-100, right? <laughs> so, but you can't be saying, I'm giving my 100. Why aren't you giving yours? You know, yeah. it's got to be, I'm going to give everything I have and then give some more into this relationship. Hey, you're listening to the Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to do this marriage thing and experience God in the process. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Let's get started. We are going to get into, you know, the challenges of marriage. And of course, we have an ideal that we all love. And it's got nice charts and graphs and dots and lines and stuff. But then there's waking up with bad breath and the realities of life and stuff like that. So how do we make this all work? So we wanted to get into that. So please, like from the bottom of my heart, I welcome both these couples. Welcome the Bulos and the Weatheralls. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, we were going to start off and just share a little bit about our life for about 15 to 20 minutes and some of the things that we've been through. And then we're going to turn it over to the Bulos and then they can share a little bit about their life and their experience. And then after that, we can have some time for just some general Q&A. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of questions about how we can build a relationship together. So I just wanted to first kind of share that almost every couple that I talk to, especially in our church community, tells the story of how they are so different from each other. So, you know, the husbands and wives may be from different countries or from different cultural backgrounds. So in our case, it was very similar. I'm from Australia, and I just wanted to share this picture. So this is myself and three of my brothers. I have actually four brothers and a sister. So I grew up in a very rural environment in Australia, and that's me on the, uh, the left in the uh, check shirt. I was the eldest of the boys. I have an older sister. But I grew up in a rural environment. It was a farming community. And what you're looking at there is actually a flood. It was like all of that water behind you is flood water that overflowed from the, uh, the river. And we had a farm on the other side of that river somewhere. We lived on this side. And there's a boat in the background. And that boat is coming across to pick up the milk that they would take across to the other side to feed all the people who were stranded on the other side. So, you know, I was barefoot and running around in the grass and chasing the cows. And that was my experience growing up in Australia. And then I joined the church when I was about 19 years old. And then I didn't have a chance to kind of grow and experience working in the world or getting a job and doing all of those kind of things. So then that was kind of my background. And then I want to give Daniela a chance to introduce herself a little bit. Hi, everyone. I come from Milan, Italy, and my background was obviously very different. I'm the oldest daughter, and I have two younger brothers. And actually, my family joined the church. All my family joined the church, and they were all blessed in 1995, whereas Roger and I were blessed in 1989. I grew up in a very cultured environment, and uh, I became a simultaneous translator, interpreter, speak five languages, traveled all over the world, had a very, very fascinating life filled, kind of a privileged life. But I joined the church, I made the decision to join the church in 1985. One of my brothers witnessed to me, and I basically, within a couple of years, I left everything I had. and. 
decided to put my heart into God's hands for my marriage. All right. So in uh, January 9th, 1989, we were matched by true parents. True father put us together. And this is the picture from the day after. And I think it's very symbolic or very representative of who we are. So you can see I'm still dressed in like these you know, <laughs> old clothes. So if you've ever watched Crocodile Dundee, it was very much like that. And I got I got blessed to the princess, right? He was the one who had all the culture and, you know, came from the uh, yeah. fashion city of the world and this kind of thing. And I just felt like I'd won the prize, you know, I, I'd made it. And so after that, then we were blessed. And this is our blessing picture. Later. Yeah, three yeah. days later on January 12th. So you can see me looking in this picture at her in kind of this awestruck fashion. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I'm thinking, this is going to be amazing. This is great. She's so beautiful. You know, I'm ready to really embark on this life together. But in reality, I was very immature still in my own growth and in my own ability to really take care of a person. So, so when father was uh, looking for my match, I really love true parents so deeply that I didn't really mind who they would have chosen. And the moment that father put us together, I had this feeling of this complete, like two apples, halves coming together. And it was a tremendously deep, deep feeling that lasted about 30 seconds. And then it was gone. And from that moment on, the experience was like, who is this child that has suddenly come on my lap? And what am I going to do with him? And that was really very challenging, very challenging to understand that there was something there that I had to learn. And many times sitting in front of Father in Belvedere, I would hear him say, you know, you would all like to be married to me. You would like this ideal husband. But actually, it's in your hands. It's in your power to create your own husband. And it is with that heart and not forgetting those words that I decided I had to really help raise this child so that he could become a different person, mm. actually could become the best of himself. So it was uh, when we started off in that relationship, it was actually quickly it became very difficult. You know, we were living in Korea. We lived in Korea for about three years and we were in different cities because we were going through this separation period and working in public missions. We would see each other on weekends or maybe every, you know, every three weeks or once a month we would get to meet each other. It was constantly like this tension and this struggle that was going on in our relationship because part of it was the cultural thing because I didn't know how to really respect her as a woman because in Australia, we really treat women, you know, in a very different way as almost like a mate, a friend, rather than, you know, as God's creation, in a way, as this, this incredible, different, but beautiful human being. And, you know, Italian men have an incredible way of treating women, very respectful and uplifting. And sometimes, you know, I would try and kind of joke around and, you know, we would have, try and do this thing, but it was just so intense. And then eventually we struggled and we struggled and there were times when I, I just wanted to give up. I didn't think this could work. And sometimes my wife would come to me and ask, why do you stay with me? Why do you keep on putting up with all of this thing? And I remember at one time she asked me this and I said, because I have the vision that one day if we can 
get through all of this, if we can go through it, we will have the most beautiful relationship and it will just be so wonderful that all of the pain and the suffering of the past will disappear. That's and, true. But she didn't think that at the time. She thought, <laughs> I want to kill him. <laughs> anyway, we landed in the United States, which was our middle ground, because Australia was too far and it was much closer if we were in the States. And uh, we eventually started family life after five years of struggle. And then during our first pregnancy, we hit an impasse, an impasse again. And we actually have three children and lost six. The first pregnancy was actually the most severe miscarriage we suffered. And it was really turbulent time. And I had gotten to a point where I had lost any sense of possibility for our, for the success of our marriage and blessing. And so I, I asked God, I say, you have to really show me. You have to help me understand how you, God, love this man. What do you see in him that I can understand him through you? And during one of our fights, you know, I asked Roger whether he was actually going to be committed and stay in the relationship. And eventually, you know, he said, yes, I will be here. Let me tell you how that happened. So she asked me, are you going to stay or are you going to leave? And I said, we were in such a difficult situation. I don't really know. I'll tell you in the morning. <laughs> and she was really, okay, let's get ready for bed. And then we get ready for bed. And then she says, I can't wait until the morning. I have to know now. Are you going to stay or are you going to leave? And at that point, I really took a deep breath and I, I asked God, what do you want me to do? And God said, stay. And so I said, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stick this out. I'm going to make this relationship work no matter what it takes. Yeah, during that time, during that same day or so, I really felt God answer my prayer. And I just looked at him and just felt this infinite love that wasn't coming from me, but it was coming through me to him. And it was like the kind of love that you can only surrender and surrender to, because if God loved him so much, who was I to? withhold that love from who was i not to say yes that's how i want to love him and that is really how things became magical we started experiencing different level of god's realm of heart being children with each other being adults lovers he was my father and i was his mother he was you know all of these relationships that we experienced we started experiencing them with each other yeah and during those 10 years we had Three children. Those were incredible years in which we really focused our heart and our soul in raising these children. But we sort of forgot about who we were. We kind of our focus was our family, and we started working on a on bilateral tracks, kind of losing track really of where the other person was. Yeah. So. Actually, as we were raising our children, it was a really a beautiful experience. I mean, we really had so much fun. We, we grew a lot together. But I think anybody who has raised a family know that it takes a lot of work. There's a lot of effort involved in making the money and preparing the food and changing the diapers and organizing the activities and getting the kids to school and everything. So you tend to be focused on the kids rather than on Who were sleeping other. in our bed, too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so 
About nine years ago, again, we came to another impasse in our relationship. I have to say, uh, we, I, um, I was not really working on myself as well. I know that I was still, um, I, although porn was never a big aspect of my life, it never was something that you know really attracted me or that I was constantly involved with. I did struggle with masturbation in some areas, and I also had a habit of, of looking at other women, looking in a kind of a lustful way and really you know, appreciating them. And this was really painful to my wife, and it really was damaging to our relationship as a couple. It's just like sometimes we would go out together and we would visit you know, go to a party or something, and there may be some beautiful woman there or something, and I would be looking at her, and this was so painful to my wife. So we would have big arguments around that. So I really came to the point where I felt we came to this in our relationship, and I realized that I had been withholding my love from her. There was part of me that was still not really trusting enough to really surrender and be vulnerable and open myself up to her in that way. And that was really holding us back in our relationship. For me, it was the realization that when I went to the matching, I actually accepted true father's decision, but I never chose. I never made my choice. And realizing that for all these years, the idea was yes to the blessing, but this was our marriage. I had to choose. And understanding that my husband, I wanted my husband to be my choice. This was an incredible freeing experience. And we actually had the marriage rededication ceremony that we involved our children, we involved elders in the church, we made a huge celebration. We have this joke, we told each other, I choose you, Pikachu. And that was a way of really saying, you are the one that I want to spend the rest of my life with, the rest of eternity. And making that choice was a transformational point, beginning point for us both. And that is when we started opening the doors of our hearts. I was doing yoga, Tai Chi. I invited Roger to come to my yoga sessions. We started ballroom dancing. I come from a family of artists. My father was a very famous singer. He taught me how to sing, how to dance. Dancing with with Roger was like dancing with somebody who has cerebral palsy. It would always be on my feet. It would be a disaster. But So for me, even to say, okay, let's try ballroom dancing, learning how to let him lead, learning how to surrender in his arms was actually an incredibly profound experience that brought us closer to each other, right? It was was really beautiful. We did... uh, Line dancing too. We went to the Energize, we went to four of the Energize retreat couples. And then we felt as we grew closer, we felt there is something we want to do for others. We really need to invest in others. And that's why the marriage course came about. Nancy Jobs suggested it. We went to Mark Gunger seminars, which were awesome. We laughed so much for two days that we thought we would never recover. And uh, I, I was. Uh... I had uh, cramps in my stomach from laughing so hard. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's... The Lemmer Forum. Yeah, so these things that we started doing actually also helped us as a couple to grow, you know. So I first went to uh, yoga class with my wife. You know, I felt like I was an intruder into her space, you know. But You were. <laughs> 
And it wasn't something that I was really interested in doing specifically, but I felt, you know, I just want to be doing something that she's doing as well, because I worked, you know, in a company all day, and then I came home and we spent some time together, but we weren't really doing things together as a couple. And the Energized Couples Retreat that are put on, you know, by the Blessed Marriage Project associated with High Noon are just an amazing experience. It's a chance to really step out of your mundane routine of life where you're kind of, you know, just taking care of the details all the time and then to go out and spend time talking about really crucial, important issues, about all the stuff that's under the surface that you don't really normally talk about or discuss. But after we came back from that, we felt that's not enough because you forget about it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. The effect fades and it wears off. So the marriage course is a seven-week program where you, you know, have couples have a dinner together and then they discuss these issues and it helps to build the habits of actually talking to each mm -hmm. other about deeper things, about sitting down on the couch together and looking each other in the eyes and saying, not just, you know, what's for dinner, but... <laughs> That's the children. Right. What do you think about this? And I am going through these things right now. And, and what's going on in your life? And really learning to experience that. So helping other couples has really been something that has helped to transform our relationship as well. So it's like people who really want to make a difference. If, if you want to learn something, become a teacher, right? If you teach it, then you learn it much better. One of the things I wanted to mention also is that all the things that we are presenting are really bricks. And with bricks, you can actually build. But it is with our roots that we grow. And so for us to really be able to understand the spiritual dimension of our beings, we decided that we were going to invest also in our church community with UPF, with a blessed family, in whatever capacity, always together. Always where he goes, I go, where I go, he goes. It's, it's like a common, we don't even ask each other, may I come? We take for granted that the other one will be there because that spiritual awareness that our couple brings is really deepening our roots. And you can build as much as you want, but if your foundation is not strong, you're actually going to have possibly real problems when the storm comes. That's something that I really would like to remind yes. everybody. So this is a picture of our family now from our Christmas pictures last year. So we have three kids and uh, Lucas, his fiancé, is there as well. We're all living together at the moment because we're all quarantined with this COVID. But my wife and I like to go out for a walk every day. And when we go out, we are always trying to walk in step. So the uh, thing that I wanted to talk about here is, you know, we think of life or marriage as a three-legged race, mm -hmm. because as we're walking, we try and keep our inside legs walking together. Because when you have your inside legs walking together, then your hands join together, swing appropriately, right? And so every now and then we get out of step a little bit. And so I'll do a little skip to catch up and to get back in step with her. <laughs> or she'll try and do this little shuffle thing where she puts me out of step and then I have to get back to step again. But life is about going forward together as a couple. And so that is really a, a metaphor for how we see our life together. It's like this three-legged race. 
And then you have the resources. And then we have some resources here. You know, we can send these out later. It's like the Energized Couples Retreat, the Marriage Courses, the Mark Gungas Program. These are all great resources that you can use. So thank you very much. And I'm going to turn it back to the Bulos now so we can hear their story. Thank you. Hello, everyone. We're here in Colorado. Nice sunny day. Hope your day is sunny. Before you start, I just want to thank uh, the Weatheralls. What a beautiful, beautiful testimony. It was awesome. So I just want to thank you so much for that. Okay, your turn. Uh, it's my turn now. <laughs> I'm Paul. This is my eternal soulmate, Nancy. So we were matched 41 years ago in 1979. I was 24 and Nancy was 29. So in 1982, we were uh, blessed. That's, that was 37 years ago. And at that time, we were both in the church for uh, eight years. So during that eight years, we were taught to live for the sake of others. But we didn't know exactly how to do that in marriage. And we tried. We tried. Some things worked. A lot of things didn't. So. You know, through the eight years, what we learned was to build a relationship with God through prayer, study, and uh, hard work. That gave us a commitment to our blessing, which is really a rock, rock steady, really, really strong. But when the really rough times came, we realized we didn't have the tools or the right tools to uh, create a strong relationship. During that time, we were able to create a family and have uh, three beautiful children. We have two sons and a daughter. So during that time, yeah, we had very poor communication. We fought a lot. There was a lot of anger expressed on both sides. And we didn't know how to stop that train, that train, that, that runaway train. So our connection got weaker, more strained. I reverted to uh, childhood go-to, which was uh, porn for my emptiness and frustration. So that porn was uh, magazine, virtual, and what I call reality porn. I used it to medicate the, uh, the loneliness I was feeling. You know, it only numbed the pain for a few minutes. And what it really did was put a really big wedge between us and, and made things even worse. So my origins with porn, two things I remember both happened around fifth or sixth grade. All the boys, you know, in my class, we were passing around uh, nude drawings, uh, you know. And, and then also another thing is... One day I was visiting my aunt, I went in the basement, discovered my uncle's stack of porn magazines. About 45 minutes later, my aunt said, what the hell are you doing down there for so long? <laughs> and I was kind of banned. I was banned from the basement. But, you know, that was really where the hook was set, set in me. So fast forward, you know, 13 years of marriage, I uh, revealed my addiction to Nancy after a family weekend workshop, is family healing workshop, and we began our uh, healing journey. So 
you know, addiction has many definitions. It's all basically about the same, but one that I really like a lot and a really good resource is uh, Tommy Rosen, who is the founder of uh, Recovery 2.0. And the definition that he uses is addiction is any behavior you continue despite the fact that it brings a negative consequence into your life. So our topic today is repair broken connections. So Paul's reveal was really shocking for me. We had three teenagers, actually preteen and teens, and I share that if I had a gun, I probably would have used it at that point. Fortunately, we did not. And the world peace through ideal families motto was a distant dream, and there seemed to be no roadmap. So Paul and I, after that reveal, started looking for roadmaps. And so today, we want to share with you some of those things that we found that work. So after the initial rage and disgust, I actually realized that this rupture in connection was a trauma, was a betrayal trauma. And I didn't get trauma therapy then, but I have been getting it in the last five, five or so years. But what I did was start with 12 steps. And the 12 steps pointed to the fact that both of us had past and present healing to do. And back at that time, we were fortunate to have John and Hilda Weeman as our, uh, one of our closest friends. And they started a healing center in their basement, which we went to their healing, their home every week for about five years. And we had groups, we had breakout sessions, we had all kinds of healing modalities that we explored in that five years. And in that, I began to really dig in and discover my loneliness and my fear. And I began exploring my family of origin and doing inner child work, discovering that part of myself that was invisible and unconscious, but screaming for help. The fact that Paul had his own healing journey, I could focus on that, but that didn't help because I really couldn't fix Paul. So I just started to fix myself, to heal myself. So I realized I have a severe disconnect in my family of origin. I didn't experience any emotional closeness and also uncovered a sexual trauma, which impacts um, my adult ability for intimacy. And during that time, even though we were doing our individual healing, we lived parallel lives. And of course, as Daniela mentioned, we were also raising children, so we were very busy. But we were miserable, and we knew it. So about 10 years ago, I discovered a therapy called Imago Therapy. And that changed the trajectory of our relationship because the teaching is the purpose of marriage is to heal each other's childhood wounds. So I'll say that again. The purpose of marriage is to heal each other's childhood wounds. So for me to be here for you as my spouse, I need to heal myself first. So what we needed to learn was what our attachment styles were, which were avoidant and just chaotic, and create self-discipline and through our self-discovery. And also what we learned was the purpose of adulthood is to finish childhood. So 
in the workshop, there was a dialogue called Childhood Wound and Adult Need. And we were guided, carefully guided through this dialogue. And it was like something came off my eyes and I could start, I was awakened to not only my childhood, but specifically Paul's, because I stopped talking and started listening. And I saw Paul as God may see him, as Daniela mentioned. And who I saw was a man whose childhood needs were not met and who is bringing those needs, those imprints and those triggers into his adulthood. And it was vice versa. Paul saw that in me also. The result was that Paul was no longer a monster or my enemy or a pervert. But I, when we could do the dialogue, I began to experience compassion. And when he began to listen to me, then I could be seen and heard. And then I could be listened to and healed as well. So it reminded me of when I was matched with Father. Paul was all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. His he was just ready to go jump in bed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. But God said to me, Nancy, you need to restore your love. So this has been the motto that I'm trying to remember on a daily basis. But now remembering more and more as we are intentional in our marriage, that we have unmet needs, we have unfinished business that prevented us from maturing. And a newest book that I found is When You Marry a Child, Don't Expect a Man Right Away. And that's probably the same on Paul's end. You know, when you marry a child, don't expect a woman right away. Because I was not ready to be a wife to him. I was not ready. But maybe 27 years later, <laughs> I became ready. So real love and marriage is another roadmap for us. I have the Real Love and Marriage CD, and I have it in my car. And every time I get in the car, I listen to Greg Bear. And it reminds me, what is anger? What is a getting protective behavior? What is true love? What is unconditional love? Go get love. Go get love. If you can't, if you're triggered, it means you're drowning. You're empty and afraid. So I heard this for maybe, I don't know, I have it in my car for about five years now. It's still there. The live for the sake of others, which true parents have given us as a lifestyle, is how to get the love I need so I can give the love that Paul needs. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with someone you love or leave a five-star review because the only way this podcast spreads around is through word of mouth. So a share or a review would go a long way and it only takes like 10 seconds to do. Thanks. Back to the show. Paul's not going to talk about a few other of our roadmaps. Okay. Uh, some of the things we do, safe conversations. This is, Nancy's an expert at that. So I get a lot of practice with the safe conversations. And it's basically sentence stems, which make the conversation safe to be uh, vulnerable. We commit to zero negativity, and that's a lot of commitment because a lot of times we don't actually make that. So we start over, and we start over, and we start over. But we don't give up. Both partners commit to uh, repair if there's a rupture. 
Then another thing is we nurture the space between by doing appreciations. And then also we have a very famous saying, which we have in our house, no shame, blame, or criticism in the space between. And, you know, emotions definitely not were not easy for me. And even still, I have to dig deep sometimes to figure out what my emotions are, except anger. Anger is uh, pretty easy to recognize and uh, definitely a big, big thing for me. Also, I had to learn not only to talk about emotions, but also how to listen and how to identify feelings. So some of the sentence stems, this is how you will talk so your spouse will listen and how to listen so your spouse will talk. Thank you, Paul. So I was hoping we would have time to do a demo, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we can save that for another day. Okay. Because that's my favorite thing when I teach safe conversations is, Paul, can you do a demo with me? A frustration dialogue where we turn the frustration, we research the feeling, I'm feeling angry, and then underneath the anger is the pain, and then the tears come, and then, and then the wish comes. And then I wish you could do this differently. And then this is a beautiful dialogue that we do in my class, and I just love it. And I do it as often as Paul will be available, because the first step is, are you available now? To have a safe conversation, and that's a no. Right? Not all the time. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> so my newest roadmap is Doug Weiss. He coined the term intimacy anorexia, which is withholding physical, emotional, and spiritual connection. So we are three-pronged beings. We're spiritual, we're emotional, and we have a physical body. So he has a roadmap. If you do these things, you will recover your anorexia. You will recover what area it is that you can't tolerate. And for me, it's physical. It's physical. It's just I'm having a hard time. <laughs> Forgive me. But Paul's is emotional, emotional closeness. So the three things that he says to do, they're called Three dailies, and I'm going to share my screen again. So the roadmap to intimacy, anorexia, recovery, the three dailies, for me, actually, this encompasses three modalities, which I love, which are safe conversations, real love, and this anorexia recovery. The first thing we do is share three feelings, or one, we start with one a day. And Paul would start, or I would start, and I would say, I feel, I feel lonely when you are out searching for mushrooms all day <laughs> long. I'm a mushroom widow. <laughs> and my memory from childhood is when I was young, my older brothers and sisters, I was the youngest of four would go out without me because I wasn't old enough to go. My next sibling was five years older than eight years and 10 years. And I really grew up as an only child listening to my mother's opera music. She wasn't from Milan, but she loved opera. And we do this. So this encompasses the safe conversations, which brings back the childhood memory and 
also it encompasses the sentence stem, is there more? Because often when, when Paul speaks, it's one word, one sentence, and I don't remember anything. But then I get to use my sentence stems, is there more? Is there more about that? And I get to get curious. And he's given me permission to do that. And then we dig deeper. And we do that together. And we do that every day. And that restores our emotional connection. And then praying out loud together, restore and reading Father's words or any kind of spiritual literature helps us with our spiritual connection. We do yoga together. We do home together. We do all kinds of stuff to be spiritual. And then giving each other appreciations. And this is also safe conversations, which is a discipline that we do every day. We really do this every day. But I try to do it those appreciations throughout the day, like right in the very beginning of the day. I'm going to give you number one now. Like, thank you so much for putting the dog out. So we don't have to think at the end of the day, oh, you know. But that nurtures the space between. And I'd like to say something about the space between, which is an energetic reality. And there's the story, our little analogy. It's like when you're giving your child a bath and they go to the bathroom, they go poop in the water and you look at it and you say, wow, there's poop in the water. Do you just say, just keep it there and continue giving a bath? Or do you take the bath water out, remove the toxic stuff, and replace the water. So that's what zero negativity is for us, is removing the negativity, putting it into a safe conversation. I'm feeling negative right now, and then deal with it in a safe conversation. And putting appreciations, putting new water, putting fun, and stuff like that. Yeah, just self-care, you know, explore your passion. You know, I I have uh, chainsaw therapy that I use a lot, which is just going out and chopping wood. I do silversmithing. You know, I do lapidary work. And my childhood passion was still continues strong to this day as uh, foraging for wild, wild mushrooms. So, you know, I take time out to do the things that I really love. And that's definitely been an important part of my healing journey. Thank you. Thank you. We have a couple questions here. Firstly, you know, this is a common question that I see quite a bit, which is uh, what happens when you have a couple where there's one spouse who really wants to seek help and wants to improve their situation, and then the other one is very reluctant or even adamantly opposed to, I'm not going to that thing. You can't make me. You know, what What do you do in that situation when both parties aren't, you know, simultaneously interested in resolving the conflict? Yeah, that's, uh, that was really me. You know, the first healing uh, session, Nancy really had to drag me, you know, throughout, throughout my course. Oh, you know, I got better. Oh, geez, do we have to do that again? But the benefit of that was so, so great that over time, I became definitely more enthusiastic. Of course, you know, for me, uh, better sex, deeper intimacy, and then also just really seeing Nancy, not only as the woman she is today, but also to see her as the vulnerable little girl that she was, and to really understand 
where she came from, her background, what it was like. So, yeah, I was dragged at first, but the benefits of doing the work is created a more excitement in me, more willingness to do it. Just a matter of time. It was just being patient and just, I, there was nothing else I could do. Just keep bugging him <laughs> and changing and loving more, just trying to be more loved, you know, changing myself. Okay. Patience. So you just were persistent and you also didn't stop growing yourself. You just kept on working on yourself and eventually he followed suit, something like that. I was just going to say, uh, you know, we can't change another person. We can't change our spouse. What we can do is just change ourselves. Um, and we need to work on that. Marriage is not a 50-50 relationship. It's a 100-100, right? Yeah. So, but you can't be saying, I'm giving my 100. Why aren't you giving yours? You know, yeah. It's got to be, I'm going to give everything I have and then give some more into this relationship. Mm -hmm. And as you do that, then things can change, you know, so... And I know there are many people out there who are saying, well, my son, my wife or my my husband doesn't want to come to therapy with me. But it's really, you've got to start looking at yourself. How am I loving? How am I giving in this relationship? And what am I doing to really transform myself, first of all? Yeah. Prayer. prayer works too. Yeah. Because if you invest time and pray on something very specific, God really listens. Desperate prayer. That's heartfelt prayers. Prayers with tears streaming down your face, they work. You know something about it? <laughs> there were many nights. I made you a better man. <laughs> I have to tell you, you don't want to get to that point in your life. If you're intentional, you start out in the beginning and you make a plan to be intentional about your marriage from the beginning and to do these kind of energized couples retreats or programs together and to really explore your relationship then hopefully you never get to that point where you're desperate to figure out the problems yeah uh, it's really important to have fun in your relationship yeah i also found that because i'm the one i'm more of the hailstorm i'm more of the maximizer once i got calmer and started listening. Paul started coming out of his shell. He's more of a minimizer, although he snaps. He um, <laughs> out of his shell and, and because, it's, it's, because it's safe. So once I learned how to make the safe space with no blame, shame, or criticism, once I, then he would start coming out and start talking and mm -hmm. sharing his emotions and exploring his emotions. Whereas before, I'd say, how are you? Fine. You know? But now, yeah. oh, I know how to share feeling. I know how to share childhood memory. It, it's much, yeah, I love it. I, I don't know how to do chainsaw therapy. But anyway. I would love to see an online course with Paul teaching chainsaw therapy. Um, I also just wanted to mention that this really sounds like leadership. What you're learning really is leadership. You're learning not to coerce somebody or to impose your will onto somebody else, but how to become more attractive so that somebody wants to listen to you. And then that foundation becomes how you communicate with your children as well, I'm, I'm guessing, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Like that. Mm -hmm. Because I think leadership isn't actually 
it's not framed in that context in terms of, you know, leading from within the couple. It's usually leadership is in the business, you know, setting or religion or whatever, but not, not leadership from the home and from the bedroom, you know, your side of the bed, leadership from your side of the bed. (laughs) So that's really cool. Yeah. It seems, it seems like it makes a lot of sense because I'm, I'm trying to frame this too, to all the people out there who are possibly skeptical or they feel like they've tried everything and there's no hope for their couple. How many couples do you know that have this kind of dire attitude that, oh, this is what I got. This is my lot in life. Yeah. We're stuck for eternity. And what, what would you say to those couples who feel like they're well, stuck? Yeah, we are stuck for eternity, but let's do it now. Keep looking. If that didn't work, try something else. There's thousands of things out there. Thousands and thousands. Give me a call. I'll help you find it. Just don't give up. You deserve the best. You deserve absolute sex, absolute love. You deserve it. We deserve it. Right? Yeah, Yeah, God wants us to have amazing marriages, right? Amazing, passionate, joyful, love-filled marriages. Sometimes when you're in that, desperate situation and you just feel like this can never work i just can't go forward anymore some great man said just do the right thing do the right thing and then do the next right thing (laughs) do the next right thing after that so just take one more step forward and then just try something new so it's it's kind of what nancy said just try something different try something but you always need to maintain integrity in yourself be somebody who is living the right way don't lash out don't be angry somebody do what is right in those moments yeah and andrew i'd say say a couple things you know find a small group that you know you can be open and honest in and uh one of my favorite sayings is 12 step it you know pretty much they end every meeting with it it works if you work it. And, you know, with us, we did a lot of things. Some things we practice more, but practice, practice. It works if you work it. Yeah. I've seen you all, especially Nancy and Paul, I've seen you in action using the lingo in real time when you when you guys are setting up for the marriage course and there's tension, you guys would work through the drills. It was a miracle. I loved it. Also, I'd like to say one thing. When Hilda moved out of our area, I didn't have my best friend there anymore. So I started a small group of seven women to create more best friends because I knew I couldn't survive without a best friend, without a girlfriend. And we read through all of Greg Bear's books. We read books for three years together. And it was just so enriching. And that enriched my life. That helped me to survive while Paul was, while we were still on a parallel course until he jumped in fully. (laughs) (laughs) So it takes a while, you know, when you don't grow up in this this emotional thing and you're taught don't feel, all of a sudden start feeling. And same with me, you know, taking me time. And Paul's being patient with me. So patience, I would say. Outstanding. So I just wanted one very quick question. If you could look to your lovely, beautiful spouse and think about one thing, the one thing you love most about them, and if you could share that with us, what do you love most about your spouse? 
thing I love most about this man is his love for God and true parents resonates with my heart. And I think that this creates a rainbow of love between Australia and Italy. (laughs) Thing I love about my spouse is she always brings so much grace and beauty and kindness into everything that she does. She's always thinking about how can I serve somebody? How can I take care of somebody? How can I give them a little gift? How can I tell them how much I appreciate them? And she does that for me as well. And uh, Very adorable. Thank you. The Bulos. The one thing I love about Nancy is she never gives up on our relationship. And she's uh, always striving to make it better and always uh, working to make herself better. So that's what I I love about her. And I'm going to say it to you, Paul. One thing I love about you is your (laughs) You are so handsome. (laughs) And I know you don't hear that enough. (laughs) You are my handsome, eternal love. And that's what I love about you. Yeah, I'd like to hear that. <laughs> he blushes when that happens. I love when he blushes. It's so cute. I love he's already kind of red and he goes into like technicolor red when he when comes. <laughs> That's the great thing of having red hair. Even at 65, you still blush. <laughs> Hey, if you want to improve your relationship or take your sex life to the next level, well, you're in luck because more than 70% of couples that take our Love and Integrity course said that the quality of their sexual relationship improved after joining the course. Sounds good? You can join the program today with your spouse or just take the course by yourself at loveandintegrity.com. See you in the next episode.